views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey everyone, welcome to the Dr. Pat Show and Transformation Talk Radio, another day in the life of positive talk radio, the new mainstream in talk radio as we like to talk about it. Thank you for tuning us in, turning us on, and all of you that were listening to the show that I did earlier today with Dr. Mark, don't worry, uh, there's a rebroadcast of that tonight, as well as the archive being put up, so lots of really cool things. Uh, for you to take a listen to. It was a stellar interview, and I want to just give a shout-out to all the people that are saying yes and have said yes to doing something extraordinary during a time when they were the only ones or close to the only ones doing it. You know, there's something to be said about saying yes to your passion and your purpose. Even if the world around you kind of looks and stares at you and says, what are you doing? And why is that important? Well, I get to talk with a lot of people that have said yes at that point in time in their lives. And now fast forward 30 plus, 40 plus years later, and not only are they doing it, but they've never looked back. You know, today we get to talk with Lydia Rule, who is joining me here today, uh, talking about finding your sacred language art workshop as well as what sacred art is all about so can you imagine how each of us now have related to and i relate to art and symbols and myths and archetypes and you know all of the above what was it for me early on as a child that attracted me to these things i want to just say something really off that may seem off to you when your child is looking at a comic book that seems irrelevant, there's a question mark that may come in your mind. Why is that child so drawn to a comic book character called Hercules? Or what is it about your daughter that can't put the Wonder Woman comic book down? Well, here's what I want to say. As a very, very young child, I lived and every breath I took were in the comic books of my day as a child. Fast forward now, they've become mega blockbuster movies (laughs) out in the world. So, I don't know. What was it about that that I related to? Was it it what I thought at the time, the symbolism of it? No, not as an eight-year-old. No way. But what is it about symbols that have become so much of our lives? Why is it we can look at something 
and see something and relate to it, not be able to talk about that. Today, I get to talk to Lydia about that, an artist, author, scholar, and someone that has said yes, yes to her life, has said yes to her goddess, and looked at this in terms of beautiful, iconic art, goddess icon, uh, spirit banners of the Divine Feminine, published in 2002, but beyond all of that, what is it about her life's purpose and passion? What is it about what she teaches others that she will be doing in finding your sacred language art workshop? What is this all about? Why is it now more relevant than it ever has been? Lydia, thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. <laughs> it's always fun to talk a bit about art. Well, let's talk about you for a minute. Um, you know, one of the things that I want to ask you about is your journey. You know, I shared a little story that, you know, may seem kind of irrelevant to people about growing up and being completely immersed in the, whether it's the Marvel comics or the DC comics or whatever they are, completely immersed in it. It was my world as a child. I actually started to draw some of the characters. That's what right. What was your journey like? Um, well, I was born during the Depression, so it's a long time ago. And by the time comic books came into my life, they were also magical because there wasn't that much print material during the war. Montgomery Ward's catalogs. I suppose what I've learned as an adult from family stories, but I think I can remember it, is that I sat on my grandfather's lap and he talked to me, he read to me from Grimm's Fairy Tales and the Encyclopedia Britannica. So I had obviously early stories that probably at two, how much can you understand? And then seeing uh, visuals literally, of um, the catalogs. I would cut out uh, some of the of the uh, figures and play with them. And I was the same age about the time as the Dion quintuplets. You wouldn't remember them, but there were five of them. And so they fascinated me as well. So I literally, I guess, one of my friends said, made paper dolls from the time I was pretty young. <laughs> And that's what I kind of do now. <laughs> I make I goddess icons uh, of figures. They just happen to be life-size. Well, you know, now. let's talk about this, because I think you and I kind of had a similar upbringing here a little bit, a little childhood. But, you know, so often we're told, uh, and, and, you know, you, of course, Grimm. Now, talk. let's talk about Grimm fairy tales. I mean, whoever knew... Fast forward to where we are today in our pop culture, and Grimm would be one of the top television shows, if not the top on Friday nights on television, right? I, I, mean, I don't know. I don't watch. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to tell you it is. And, you know, how did it get to be that? How did the, this, the symbolism, right, of what you grew up with now become so relevant in our pop culture? I think it's kind of exciting. You know, well, it see. is from one standpoint, you know, as yeah. far as the fairy tale standpoint. And in yes. fairy tales, there are really still some powerful women. But Grimm was also uh, telling you the, the patriarchal story of the time. Right. And 
there have been scholars since now who've, who've studied that and, and so write about the female stories rather than the right. than Grimm's. Right. And in the popular culture, Disney or whatever, the shows, uh, TV, movies, women uh, haven't quite made it to the uh, place I would like to see them because they're either objects or sex objects, or uh, evil. <laughs> but, right. Yeah. They're pretty stereotyped well, still. About, yeah, let's talk about the goddess manners, because I think this is something. First of all, tell us what are the goddess manners, and how did they come to be? Um, the banners the are um, painted. I paint them on nylon, ripstop nylon. They came to be... Because during the early 80s, I worked with Judy Chicago on the birth project, not the dinner party. And I found Joseph Campbell and Maria Gambutas. And the combination of all of that made me realize, as I'm teaching art history, that uh, the women's stories are pretty bleak and very few in art history. So I wanted to find some and then teach about them, which I did. I taught at the University of Northern Colorado for 35 years. Finding the stories and the images then gave me a good reason, or I wanted to show them or illustrate them in my art. I was a printmaker at the time, so I made uh, collagraph prints of these early goddesses, like the snake goddess of Crete or Venus of Willendorf or... Uh, as examples. And eventually, I began then exhibiting them. And even though I start small, and those early goddesses were maybe 18 inches, uh, I seem to always get larger, uh, although I'm not a very big person. So in order to make these large pieces and, and exhibit them and ship them, it got to be complicated. And I said, oh, I've got to do something different. So I was having an exhibition in Turkey at the Celsus Library at Ephesus. And I went to uh, visit and talk to the director and asked him how he was going to frame my large pieces that were four by six feet at that point. And he said, this is the Ephesus Museum. We can do anything. And I thought, well... Yes, but I don't think you understand. I'm bringing work that needs to be protected. There's no roof on the library. And it was going to hang there for the month of July. And I said, I've got to find some way to put it out on a material that can hang out and blow in the wind and rain on if it rains, not very often in July. So I said I had to paint them on nylon banners. And I'd made banners for Chautauqua's. And I thought, well, I'll just have to try it. I called paint companies. I called fiber companies. I called art companies. told them what I needed to do. And they said, you can't do it. And I said, I have to. So I went to Michael's, that craft store, bought T-shirt paint and started in. And uh, lo and behold, I ended up with 18 banners that flew there in 1995, and the images were all based on images in Turkey. It's a phenomenal country that you can visit today and experience, physically see over 14,000 years of history. 
of her story. And mm-hmm. the early uh, cultures of Turkey were very feminine, matriarchal based. So there's a, a textbook, living textbook, with images that's endless. And I, that was my first start, <laughs> was with uh, the Turkish goddesses. And from then on, they, they've been expanding and going around the world. And I'm about to finish my number 300. Oh, wow. Uh, yes, that's what I say, too. Hopefully in the next uh, three, uh, six weeks, I'll get to paint number 300. Um, and all this has happened since I'm 60. I'm not a young woman anymore. <laughs> but... Something gave me the energy. I say it's the goddess, but uh, and I've been fortunate health-wise and everything else to just keep doing it. So I do. Mm. I love this. I love this because <laughs> it's so meaningful for for folks listening to the show that think that their lives. First of all, women that think that their lives are ending because of a certain number that uh, relates to how old they are, and secondly, because of the beauty of letting our souls come through. Uh, We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I'd love for you to talk about the process for creating them and also what you have planned for the upcoming Women of Wisdom Conference. Lydia Rule joining me today. We're going to give you lots of information so you could see this amazing, amazing art, and hopefully all of us will be able to meet her in person. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with the show. Tap into your I am energy to discover who you truly are and who you always have been. Dawn Smith offers a simple yet profound and life-changing way to discover your I am energy that is hidden beneath the toxicity caused by choices we made consciously or unconsciously prior to today. This internal perfection is not an idea, a theory, or some vague notion or concept. On the contrary, it is beyond the grasp of the brain and its intellectual interpretations as it lies deep within the language of our hearts. Visit imenergy.ca. Do you ever wonder why you feel off balance and out of focus most of your life? Would you like to have an aha moment every day? The Michelle Bond Show, Awaken to a New Reality, will empower you to feel wonderment every moment of every day. This hit show provides healthy, empowering knowledge and information which gives hope to everyone from the healthy to the health challenged. Get ready to restore and maintain your wholeness, mind, body, and spirit through learning the latest complementary and alternative healing modalities. Your new reality will introduce you to an unlimited world of possibilities with the gumption to take epic action for your life. This call-in show with wholeness coach Michelle Bond will give you insight to a wide range of topics from nutrition to lifestyle choices to manifesting your wildest dreams. Tune in Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Get inspired. Create the life you desire with internationally known radio host and motivational speaker, Sue London. Sue inspires millions of people to overcome difficult or traumatic situations in their lives. People feel hope, courage, and are ready to move forward after hearing Sue speak. 
Book motivational speaker Sue London for your next event at AskSueLondon.com. That's AskSueLondon.com. Grateful patients have been saying it for 25 years. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. Dr. Thane of Wellness One of Bellevue has been named one of the nation's top chiropractors by the Consumers Research Council of America, and for good reason. He has helped his patients recover their energy and vitality after car accidents, sports injuries, herniated discs, fatigue due to stress, the list goes on. The website is bellevue.wellness1.net. When in pain, see Dr. Thane. That's bellevue.wellness1.net. Are you feeling stuck? Do you want to be free from fears and doubts and finally feel good about yourself, but you just don't know how to get there? Dr. Schaub's Accelerated Breakthrough Program provides you with the tools and solutions to go beyond your limitations and achieve self-empowered confidence. Call for your free phone consultation at 866-903-MIND. Visit CellularWisdom.com. That's CellularWisdom.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to the Dr. Pat Show. So very cool to be chatting with Lydia Rule. And I want to just say, go to womenofwisdom.org. Um, one, of the, one of the workshops that I'm really looking forward to is her workshop. It's a, it's a featured workshop. It's Saturday from what I have, February 15th, 1 to 5 p.m. You can bring a friend to experience it with you. Um, but here's what I love. Finding Your Sacred Language Through Art Workshop. Oh, <laughs> my goodness. How <laughs> exciting is this? And so for those of you out there, go check it out, and you're going to see exactly what we're talking about. Also, I want you to go to Lydia's uh, website, if you would, uh, and I'm going to spell it for everybody out there. It is an experience. Uh, Lydia, L-Y-D-I-A-R-U-Y-L-E.com and go check it out. Um, Olivia, thank you for joining me here today. One of the things I ask you before the break is about the process, and I think that that relates directly to the workshop that you're doing. And, and so I would love for you to talk about the process and what might people expect uh, at the workshop? How is that going to work for folks? Okay, I'll be glad to talk about the... Let's do um, the process of the banners because... Um, it's uh, it isn't that complicated, but it is in a way. Um, I only use images from art history of the world. So at some time, at some place, over thirty-five. Actually, I have an image that's supposedly eight hundred thousand years old. Um, was seen as a, a, a revered image, and they're all female. Um, so I find the image, or sometimes they just find me. The message just keeps coming up. I keep seeing it, or someone says, have you seen this image, or send me one. And then I draw it, and I used to make a, a print out of it, but now I draw it, and then uh, it gets blown up life-size and transferred onto nylon so that it can be a banner that can hang out in processions and uh, weather without having to worry about whether it's going to get destroyed. Mm. Then uh, I have a woman who's been sewing my banners. She is sewn all, about 350 of them at this point. She started with me in 1995, 
and she's 85 years old. She's a fabulous seamstress, and so she sews the various colors of nylon pattern behind the figures and the figures themselves. And then I paint them with now fabric paints, um, usually ordered from Dharma Trading. Mm. They um, always have, I have a story with them, and over the years, then I, as they travel, uh, they have a, a placard that is right by them telling you a story so that some, you have a context for what's hanging. Usually, I try to focus on some of the images of the culture that they're visiting, and they're on the, someplace in the world almost constantly. Uh, there will be at Women of Wisdom in Seattle. They've been coming there, I think, for about 10 years, and I was there one other time. Mm, wow. Um, they literally transform the space they hang in uh, because you have a visual image, even if you don't know what it's about, that affects uh, what's going on in the space. Um, they were hanging in a golf co- uh, club one time, and it's, it was fascinating to me that various golfers would find their version of the Virgin Mary that they were familiar with. Um, they've hung uh, uh, for festivals, funerals, uh, museums, universities, kindergartens, etc. But some way they speak, and uh, when people are attracted to the image mm-hmm. and then the story. Well, in my teaching, I found over the years that everyone can make symbols. And if I say you can draw, they all go, or most people will say, oh, I can't draw. Well, I I call it making symbols. So what we do (laughs) is we go through a process of you making your own symbols for various ideas like the goddess or earth or air or water. And those symbols are pretty universal uh, around the world, but they're very much unique to you. So that when you have a list of 25 symbols or 26, it's like your own language. And they're Mm. pretty consistent. And then then we play with those symbols uh, on uh, fabric, on silk, and you paint and draw uh, whatever comes to you. And, and there's really no um, right or wrong way to do things. <laughs> it's just what the creative muses call you to do. <laughs> and if you're in a workshop with others, just their energy affects you. And that's another reason I like to do workshops, although uh, obviously as an artist I spend plenty of time singly painting things. But right. if I'm in with a group, I also get different. Uh, my my work will be different because the energies are different when you're in a group. And then after well, that... It is different, we, isn't it? It yes. is different. Um, and I, you know, when you are in a group, uh, what, what do you think the difference is? Well, I just think that, again, you're plugging into the creative muses uh, and the, the creative space or or vision, whatever you want to call it, is different, in quotes, in everyday life. I would say to my students, as they got in the door of the room, 
that they've just crossed a boundary. They've come into a different space, a different time, a different place that's timeless, literally, and and has so many gifts to offer you if you are present <laughs> and willing to act. Uh, magic happens, but you have to be present and act mm-hmm. <laughs> to do mm-hmm. it and let go of the outcome. That's probably the real key because people uh, have judgments of themselves and what they say and mark and do and say, oh, I don't like that. And then, well, figure out something else. Maybe you can fix it this way or maybe you can move it that way or maybe you can put <laughs> another color on top of it. So we'll see. Don't, don't you think, Lydia... Don't you think that the art talks to us? You know, yes. I, I recalled when I was creating, you know, the, the goddess uh, the goddess head figures I have. And I just remember a time where I tried to place the, a, a, a color a eye in one of them. And everything I did, I did the same way. And it wouldn't go in. It wouldn't stick. It wouldn't stay. <laughs> and all of a sudden I said, I'm going to try a different color. Bam. It there worked. it was. <laughs> that's exactly the description of what happens. And and that's why I always suggest don't throw things away right away. Give it, get, Step back away from it. Give it a little time. It's going to look different tomorrow or the ne- next day. Mm. And uh, over time, I hope people save their art because it's uh, actually yeah. a visual journey of their mm. life. And um, another artist cho- mentioned that to me many years ago. And mine does it abstractly, it does it with figures, it does it with just what I was living at that time. There was a time when all my art, and I was very depressed, was black and brown. Yeah. And then, <laughs> then I found color. <laughs> but you needed the black and brown to have the color have dimension. So <laughs> yeah. it's the way life works, it's the way art works. That's fascinating. I, I went through the same thing. I have these sketches that I did um, when my friend was diagnosed with breast cancer, and they're all black. And then mm-hmm. something else happened, and then I discovered color, but, you know, in, in a three-dimensional form. I want to thank you for joining me. I want to ask you, uh, uh, you know, for people that are listening to the show, what have you discovered happens to folks when they actually begin this process in your workshops? I know you've seen people just change right in front of you. you just take a minute to just share a little bit about what people might expect. Well, one, they're going to be in a group. Two, uh, Women of Wisdom is a pretty exciting concept that has some history in itself. Three, you're going to be playing with some seductive materials, silk and paint, beautiful colors. Um I hope you can come with the idea that it's uh, going to be an experience that you don't usually do every day until you can celebrate the fact that, one, you're there and be thankful, and, two, use the time and the process and the materials to create something beautiful. And at the end, we'll infuse it all with spiritual energy of the group. I love it. Thank you so much for joining me here today. It is a workshop that I'm very excited about. Uh, for those of you, go to womenofwisdom.org. Check it out. Uh, February 15th is the workshop, is the workshop I, shop I'm talking about here today with Lydia. But please, go check it out. There is a lot going on. This is one of the most extraordinary Women of Wisdom conferences yet. 
February 14th through the 17th, Donna Eden, uh, uh, Bonheim coming up right next, S.J. Tucker, Esther Nicholson, Julie McIntyre, and Lydia Rule. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back. Join us February 14th through the 17th for the 22nd Annual Women of Wisdom Conference in Seattle. Come explore the new paradigm, riding the wave of the heart. Inspirational speakers, experiential workshops will change your life for good. Join Donna Eden, Esther Nicholson, Jalaja Bonheim, Julie McIntyre, and S.J. Tucker. Everything is individually priced, and evening events are open to men. Reduce prices for teens, students, and seniors. Looking for community? Join us this February. Visit womenofwisdom.org. That's womenofwisdom.org. Oh, and you'll want to attend the CD music release concert that S.J. Tucker is giving Saturday, February 15th. That's womenofwisdom.org, 206-782-3363. That's 206-782-3363. Thank you for listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Like us on Facebook slash Transformation Radio Network. Tweet and follow us at TransformNet. Visit us at www.transformationtalkradio.com and find us on Pinterest, Google+, YouTube, spiritualnetworks.com, Flickr, Tumblr, and Spreaker. Just search for Transformation Talk Radio. Please stay tuned at the top of the hour. 